Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. We're going to talk some college basketball and NFL on this edition of the podcast. I'll talk with you Albany women's basketball head coach Colleen Mullen as the Great Danes, barring any changes, will be the first area Division I basketball team to open the season when they visit Hofstra on December 10th. After that, Pat Leonard, the Giants beat writer for the New York Daily News, will discuss the NFC East leading team and how they will handle things without injured quarterback Daniel Jones. We begin with Siena basketball. Gazette sports editor Mike Kelly broke the news late last week that the Saints' junior standout, Jalen Pickett, had tested positive for the coronavirus. On Monday, I spoke to Pickett about that. Jalen, uh, thanks for coming on the uh, Parting Shots podcast. Much appreciated. I know your schedule is uh, you know, kind of you know, crazy with everything going on, so I appreciate it. a few minutes here on the, on the show. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, Jalen, first of all, let's talk about that. Uh, you contracted the, uh, you tested positive for the uh, coronavirus. How shocked were you when you got the, the news? I'm very shocked, very shocked. Um, I didn't really have any symptoms at the time. Uh, felt fine. It was just like another one of the regular COVID tests we do. Um, so, I mean, when I got the call and I was positive, I was, I was really in shock. I mean, you were, you were following all the procedures, weren't you? And then just, uh, you know, just out of the blue, it happened? Yeah, yeah. Just had, just just got the got the call and I had tested positive, and then like you know a couple of days later I got like a stuffy nose and all that. What what was it like being isolated uh, during the time you, you were you know trying to get over it? Well, you know the first couple of days it was good. You know I was able to rest, um, be by myself, get some alone time. But then after a while, you know you were bored, and you know the days just started like running together. What did you What did you do to you know try to you know keep yourself busy during that time? Um, I played two K, watched a lot of Netflix, and then the last couple of days I was able to um, watch a couple of college basketball games. What was uh, your cho- choice on Netflix? Um, I started this new show, House of Well, it's not a new show; it's an old show. But I started. It's new to me, House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Yep, I started that. Yeah, I, I I don't get you know with my schedule I don't get to see it, but I heard it was a, I heard it was a pretty good show. So. Uh, what did you learn about yourself, and what did you learn about, you know, being alone like that? How, I mean, how crazy did it get for you? Um, I learned that it, it can it can happen to anybody. It's um it's serious. And then what I learned about myself is just that you know I'm blessed. Um, pretty tough cookie, and you know just keep moving forward. Yeah. How tough was it for you to? To not be able to, you know, see your friends, see your teammates. Uh, I mean, just basically, I mean, maybe maybe just phone calls or Zoom calls. I mean, how how difficult was that? Oh, uh, it was pretty difficult. You know, it's not like it's summertime where you know you might be at home for a couple times. So you know, it's to see them. When I'm in Albany, when I'm at Siena, I see my teammates every day, almost all day. I spend most majority of my time with them. So not being able to see them was kind of was kind of hard. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what advice do you have for people? I mean, there's people out there who still believe that you don't have to wear the face mask. Everything's fine. Uh, what what do you have, tell these people that you know, you've had it and you know what it's like to go through it? Um, it's not fun. It's it's real. 
And, you know, sometimes, you know, the best teacher is, you know, going through something. Now, you know, looking ahead now, your you guys are finally back practicing and getting ready for a game. You don't know what was it? What, what, what was your first reaction when you finally got out of isolation and back uh, being able to be back with on court with your teammates? It was great, you know, um, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of um, energy. You know, it was all that emotion, you know, coming out there and getting on the court, all that adrenaline. Uh, we ended up getting tired pretty quickly out there, you know, because we all were just running around, you know, trying to play hard because we've been locked up for uh, 10 to 14 days. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, this is going to be a, just a, a season like no other where, you you know, you plan a schedule, then, you know, things happen and then things are getting rearranged. I mean, how difficult is it going to be to get through this season uh, with the way things are right now? Because, you I mean, obviously you don't know – uh, what the what's it's going to be like? Because you get you know, like I said, you could set a schedule up. You know, you look like you're ready to play, and all of a sudden now the game the game's not going to happen. Yeah, you got to be. This year's going to be um, a really tough year for everybody. You know, um, with the protocols and everything, and being safe. You know, every team has to be flexible and has to be on their toes, and we all have to care about one another um, to be able to fit these games in and work around it. Mm-hmm. You know, looking at this team this year, Jalen, uh, just the fact that you guys won the MAC last year, you guys were rolling uh, up until you know the, the coronavirus shut everything down uh, last March. Hey, what's the feeling like around this team uh, this year going into the season? You, you feel confident that you could uh, pick up where you left off last March? Yeah, definitely. We have um, a couple people back from that MAC championship team that we had last year, and you know we're all hungry. And then we have a lot of people who've never won. Um, anything on the team, and this is the like, our first year in college, the first year here together. So we're all trying to leave a legacy, and you know, go out there and compete. Um, we're picked number one, so we got we got a target on our backs, and we're going to try and use that as fuel, you know, to stay ahead. Yeah, being the number pick number one, you know, you're being uh, picked again as preseason player of the year. All those accolades. I mean, how do you, you know, how do you try not to, you know. Think about oh we're gonna we're, we'll be able to roll through this because you know we're, we're number one all this stuff. How do you try to focus on you know not worrying about uh, what the uh, prognosticators are thinking about you guys? Oh well, at the beginning of every season, there's no awards, there's no player of the year, there's no first team, second team, third team. Nothing is guaranteed, and that's just how you gotta attack it every season. You start off zero zero, and you gotta go through. You have to go out there, you have to compete, you have to win, you have to earn that right at the end of the year. That's why the awards are given at the end of the year. At the beginning of the year, it's just all preseason talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you think this? How do you think you guys will do this year? I mean, obviously, as we mentioned, the fact that. It's kind of crazy with things, you know. We don't know what the schedule going to be like, but how, how do you think things are, you know, right now as we talk on this uh, Monday, uh, last Monday in November? How do you think things are going to shape out for you guys this year? Um, I think everything should go well. If we're able to play games. Um, we have a lot of we have a lot of really good talent, um, and we're connected, and we all love each other, and we're really good friends. So I mean, if we all care about each other, and we all keep working for that ultimate goal. Um, we should be able to have a chance at the end of the year. And about your game, Jalen, uh, you, you know, obviously you you, you you have a great year last year. What did, what do you think you need to work on specifically on your game to get even better? I'm um, working on like one foot finishes in traffic, two foot finishes, trying to get to the free throw line a little bit more, shoot more free throws. What do you think it's going to be like playing games without fans in the stands? I mean, you've watched some games right now, some college basketball games right uh, this or the, uh, this past week. Uh, no fans in the stands. I mean, how different is it going to be not having the Siena faithful 
there at the Times Union Center. Probably you're gonna probably play. You're probably gonna play some games at uh, on the on campus. Uh, what's what, what do you think it's gonna be like? It's, it's gonna be very different. It's gonna be tough for us. But I mean, at the same time, we play pickup games in the summer, and those get pretty intense in there. And it, it, we act like there's twenty thousand people watching us in a pickup game in the summer. So I mean. <laughs> With another team across from us, I'm, we're definitely going to come ready to play, and we're going to have to bring our own energy. Well, Jalen, it should be an exciting season for you guys, and hopefully we'll get, you guys get going sometime in December, and uh, maybe we'll be talking the NCAA tournament uh, down the road uh, in March. Yep, hopefully. Jalen Prickett, appreciate you coming on the Parting Shots podcast. Thank you. Coming up, I'll speak with UAlbany women's basketball coach Colleen Mullen as the Great Danes finally get ready to open the season, hopefully. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. I'm Dr. Howard Zucker, New York State's Health Commissioner. It's flu season, and it's always a good idea to get the flu shot. But this year, it's more important than ever. A flu shot won't prevent COVID-19, but it will lower your chances of getting seriously sick from the flu. If you do get sick, the shot can lessen your symptoms and help you feel better sooner. The last thing you or the healthcare system needs during this pandemic is a bad flu season. So please, protect yourself and your community. Get a flu shot now. Hi, I'm Daily Gazette staff writer Adam Schindler. I'd like to wish you a happy holiday season. Please stay safe and wear your face mask so we can enjoy talking about sports and not the pandemic in 2021. Welcome back to the podcast, and if we don't see any uh, scheduling changes before December 10th, the Albany women's basketball team will be first Capital Region Division One team to get in some action for this after this coronavirus pandemic. Joining me now is the coach of the women's uh, basketball team at Albany, Colleen Mullen. Colleen, uh, welcome back to the podcast, and uh, I hope things are uh, getting somewhat back to normal, but uh, uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks so much, Ken. I'm really excited to be here. So, appreciate that. So, t- tell me what it's been like trying to prepare for a season in the middle of a pandemic. You start practice, you pause, and then you finally get back to uh, be able to work out. It's been so great to be back. I mean, it's been it's been a whirlwind for these players, but I, I give them so much credit because, um, you know, to be an 18 to 22-year-old during a pandemic and go to college, never mind be a Division One athlete, um, student athlete is it, it's just it's been a real big challenge it's been a challenge academically it's been a challenge about with them seeing their families um, and certainly with the pauses and start stops and, and starts with our season um, it, it's given them their fair share of adversity but they've handled it with a positive attitude um, they have really come together as a team and it's just been wonderful as a coach and as a coaching staff to watch them develop into their culture um, even even if it be remotely were you able to do anything away from the court like uh, like we see the nfl teams doing uh things on zoom were you guys able to do anything like that uh in getting prepared for the season like doing video chats or virtually anything yeah just like i mean i think everybody else in the world uh, you know they were taking advantage of zoom um and certainly facetime but we when we were allowed to do virtual Terra when it was um, approved by the NCAA. We did some film work. We watched WNBA games and broke those down. We did a lot of leadership development, and we just really focused on building meaningful relationships because that was within our control. Um, So, of course, we tried to get better with our basketball IQ, but mostly we just tried to get to know each other. We have eight new players 
so with eight new players and seven returners, there's really a lot of, you know, getting to know each other. And, and when you're not in the same facility, in the same uh, vicinity, rather, um, you know, it, it was really a, a valuable asset as we started in the, even in the spring and summer to um, start to build towards those relationships and, and, and work on our, focus on our culture. Yeah, for you personally, Colleen, me. There's no, there's nothing in the playbook, that, you know, when you become a college coach or a coach at any level, that tells you how to handle something like this. Uh, this, this situation, it's unprecedented. What's it been like for you trying to deal with this? Uh, what have you done differently that uh, you than in, in the past in a normal year? I think it's just taken a lot of creativity and a lot of humor um, because you can't waste your time worrying about things that you don't have control over and. Our main focus, and as is the university and the athletic department, is just to keep the players safe and happy and healthy. Um, so I think you just have to really think outside the box. Um, everything that you've kind of done in the past is out the window, and there's really no those there's no playbook for this. There's no um, there's nobody to kind of turn to and look and say, okay, in the last time we had a pandemic, this is what this program did, or this is what we did the last time there was a pandemic. So you're really um, rethinking a lot of things, rethinking a lot of strategies, the way we've had to put in um, plays and defenses has, has been, um, you know, shortened. So there's been a lot more strategy and, and kind of re strategizing, if you will, um, to figure out which direction we want to go with that. So, um, and you have to keep your humor. You have to make people laugh and you have to smile and you have to make the best of the situation and, and try to stay, keep a positive attitude. As far as the practices go, Colleen, what what have been has it been like? I mean, obviously we're all talking about social distancing and safe distances, but obviously basketball you really can't. It's 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 con there's contact, and uh, I mean, how do the players responded to uh, dealing with it in practice? You know, trying to be safe, but yet at the same time still you know play basketball. Um, you know, I think that for the practices, the the players have been, um, you know really focused and it, it looks like they're having fun like all the time which I think they've always enjoyed practice and I think but being a division one athlete and and the type of um physical and emotional demand that you have that you're expected to have every day it, it gets exhausting it's hard um but with our stops and our and our starts I think that there's a different level of gratitude that our players have and a different kind of understanding that at any moment this could stop again um, so they really appreciate the time that they have on the court. We've been able to be really productive and really competitive when we have been able to um, start those contact drills. So, um, you know, we really have only had about eight or ten contact full practices, um, still mostly in masks. Um, and then when we just went on the most recent pause, when we came back, we had, you know, our first three or four practices, we focused on non-contact drills, Again, maintaining our distance and just kind of reacclimating the players with that physicality. But they are deconditioned. They are not as strong as they were because of the, the lack of access to strength and conditioning that we've had. Um, but we're just taking it slow and we're trying to focus on the process and, and making them be prepared for success um, when we do have a chance to play in a game. How much more patient as a coach do you have to be this year given the situation we're in? I think just as a coach, you have to have a lot of patience, and um, I think it's it's one of those um, 
attributes that probably none of us, all of us probably wish we had more of. Um, but I think when you are really faced with a situation like a pandemic where the way that you've done things for so long um, is changed and um, it just creates a different level of just acceptance of, of where you're at and, and what you need to do and just, uh, you know, but also in, in those moments, that's where you can really have growth and change because you have to really think outside the box and sometimes you're surprised with figuring out a new, better way. Um, but I think really for the players, it, it's where I, I've felt like um, their patience has been unbelievable. And the way that they've responded has helped me respond um, better. I'm learning from, from them um, just as much as, as they're learning from our staff. Colleen Molyneux, Albany women's basketball coach, joining us here on the uh, Parting Shots podcast. What was the excitement level like last week when you finally got back on the court? Um, it was it was, there was so much excitement and there was so much enthusiasm in the gym and the players had, came with so much energy and it's always a good thing as a coach when you're trying to, to slow people down um, as opposed to speed them up. So just remembering to tell them, hey, like, take a deep breath. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. We don't need to have every offense and know everything back where we were when we before we went on pause um, and to just really focus on um, doing the little things and enjoying the moment and not knowing when that moment might, you know, stop again. Um, and just trying to really be challenging our players um, to really be where their feet are um, and to enjoy the moment, enjoy practice, and get everything out of every drill and every possession. Let's take a look at the season outlook. What are you expecting this year? You're going to be coming off a 9-21 and year last year. Uh, what improvements do you need to see this year? Yeah, we did, we did lose um, – you know, a, a significant player in Alexi Schechter um, and another really valuable player, uh, frontline player in, in Amanda Cansey. Um, so a lot of points and a lot of rebounds um, that we really need to replace. So we're really looking for some of our young, um, you know, front court to, to step up. Helene Hagerstrand had a wonderful rookie year last year, um, and we're really looking for her to, to step up into that, that role that we need. Um, in terms of that front court. And, and luckily, we have Kiera Frames back, who's played three years. She's played a lot of minutes. Um, you know, and, and I think last year, you know, I, I call it, you know, the sophomore slump. Um, even though she was a junior, she hadn't really played a lot of minutes her freshman year, and she had a lot of expectations. She was a preseason all-conference player, and I think she carried a lot of pressure. Um, she's a really talented player and a terrific leader for us, and she's so far she's been um, just tremendous in practice. Um, and unfortunately, we lost uh, Kepper Stokes for the season. So that was pretty, that's a pretty big blow for us, losing um, – she had a, a season-ending injury. So losing Kep Stokes and Lexi Schechter and Amanda Cansey, also uh, our leadership in Coombsall Aslan, um, we, we really are rebuilding still. Um, we've added eight new players. Two of those are, are transfers that are going to be uh, available to play right away, Ellen Hahn. Um, another Swedish player. She's transferring from Wake Forest. And then Grace Heaps, a local player from East Greenbush, um, who was at UMass Amherst last year. We, we, we really think both of these players could come in and give us some significant minutes in the, in the backcourt and really help us with our, with our guard depth. So, um, you know, although we are rebuilding, I think um, in terms of the future and in terms of what this year might look like with the stops and starts, yeah, maybe we won't be able to make the steps forward that we hoped we would have in this year. 
um, but we have the opportunity to lay the groundwork in terms of our culture um, and our work ethic um, that is going to serve us well, I think, in years to come. Sounds like you know, a lot of patience is going to be this year as maybe you know get as you go through the season, and obviously yeah, there's a schedule. Who knows me? You know, it could be changed with that. So uh, I guess the, the patience is the word. Patience is the word. Patience <laughs> is definitely the word. Well, Colleen, appreciate a few minutes. Uh, good luck this season, and uh, you know, stay healthy and stay safe. And let's hope we can uh, get through the season unscathed. Okay, sounds great. Great, Ken. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Colleen. That's Colleen Mullen. We'll be back with more of the Party Shots podcast talking New York Giants football with New York Daily News beat writer Pat Leonard. Hi, this is Miles Reed, editor of the Daily Gazette. These are difficult times for most of us. The coronavirus crisis has been a time of unprecedented upheaval, uncertainty, and fear. What does it all mean for our health, our families, our jobs, and our futures? At the Daily Gazette, our journalists have been working tirelessly to answer these questions and many more that have come up during this whole pandemic. How many people have tested positive locally? How many have died? Has anyone died in the local nursing homes? Now, in these difficult times, we're turning to you to support our work by purchasing a subscription or making a donation to help fund our daily efforts. With your support, these are the questions we're continuing to report on. Every day, our reporters and photographers have been working the streets and the phones to answer these critical questions. And every day, they answer the bell with their timely and well-documented reports from the front lines in the region. Behind the scenes, the rest of our editorial team, including our sports writers, copy editors, and digital producers, have been wholly focused on covering the COVID-19 story. During this critical time, everyone here at the paper is working to provide important news and information to keep the community safe and connected. But our ability to serve our community is being threatened by some economic challenges posed by the pandemic. We have stay-at-home orders, business closures, and school shutdowns, and they're contributing to the massive instability in the local business landscape. Despite all of these changes, the Gazette will remain committed to serving the community for many years to come, just as we've been doing unfailingly for the past 125 years. So please go to thedailygazette.com and donate or purchase a subscription to the Daily Gazette. Thank you. Be well, and please keep reading. Hi, this is Brett Samuels, White House reporter for The Hill and a former Daily Gazette staff writer. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. The New York Giants are in first place in the awful NFC East, but they lost quarterback Daniel Jones to a hamstring injury in last Sunday's game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Barring a miracle... Colt McCoy will start Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. On Wednesday, I spoke with Pat Leonard, Giants beat writer for the New York Daily News, about the situation. Well, Pat, welcome back to the podcast. I uh, hope you're staying uh, safe down there in uh, the New York City area, and I uh, hope all is well. Ken, thank you very much. All is well because I'm actually covering relevant football in December for the first time in a while. So that's, that's refreshing. Yeah, how many years has this been since you covered relevant football in December? <laughs> well, since my first year, the 2016 season, Ben McAdee's first year as head coach, and 
the last time the Giants made the playoffs. So since then, it's been, you know, top of the NFL draft, bottom of the standings type Giants football. And let's be honest, if they were in any other division, they'd still be near the bottom of the standings. But they're not. They're in the NFC East. And they have largely improved over the last several weeks. And, and now they have a stretch in front of them here where the opportunity is there. Now, of course, the opportunity's there, but now we see now some bad news with uh, Daniel Jones going down with the hamstring injury. Uh, Colt McCoy now going to take over as the starting quarterback. Uh, how is What's the latest on the Jones situation as we speak here on Wednesday? And uh, uh, Colt McCoy, what can you talk about him? What, what about him? Yeah, so on Jones, Bruce has told me that this hamstring strain is not season-ending. At least the Giants do not think it is. But he's expected to miss some time. They won't know for sure that he's out against the Seahawks and beyond until they see him practice. But all the indications this week have been that either Jones, you know, first of all, he has to get that hamstring loose enough to go on the field and try it out. And secondly, it's just a kind of injury. And I'm sure you know, and you know, anyone who's coached or knows a friend who's an athlete or whatever, uh, they'll tell you that hamstrings are no joke and that it takes a little bit of time for them to get right. You know, one of my friends who was a coach said to me the other day that the only cure is rest. So if that tells you how likely it is that Jones is going to miss time here. Now, on Colt McCoy, on the one hand, I don't see a ton of reasons why the Giants' offense can, what needs to be, and will be much different because if you think about it, even with Daniel Jones at quarterback, they've run very conservative offense. They've run the ball a lot. It's on the run game. It's play-action passes. Uh, Jones certainly showed, especially against the Bengals, his ability to make nice throws down the field, you know, take those shots to Evan Ingram. And he threw several passes nicely down the field, including one to Darius Slayton, that number 86 drop. But... I do think McCoy is capable of running this offense without a ton of change to the scheme. Of course, he has not won a football game since 2014. You can believe that. Quarterback in Washington. And believe it or not, the Giants' roster is so ridiculous. They have Alfred Morris and Colt McCoy. Alfred Morris was the running back for Washington in that 2014 game that Colt McCoy won. Oh, jeez. A lot of craziness to this situation. Of course, the Giants' schedule is not great either upcoming here. So you're right, Ken, that you probably have to temper the expectations of what the Giants can do down the stretch, especially with Jones out. But not to dump on Jones entirely, but let's be honest. I mean, Dak Prescott still has more touchdown passes this season than Daniel Jones. Nine and five games, Jones has eight and 11. So you want the young quarterback to be playing. But can they win and can they play the same way with McCoy under center that they have with Jones? I say yes. How has uh, McCoy's uh, personality been as the backup? How much has he helped uh, Daniel Jones get through this? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Jones has had the fumble issues and interception issues. Uh, but how has he uh, helped him grow as a quarterback and his leadership on the team? Yeah, he's been steady, you know, consistent, reliable. Those are words you hear a lot about him. You know, in the offseason, he was the one who helped organize Jones and Barkley and a lot of the skill position players down in Texas for some workouts. And the Giants really do like Colt a lot. In fact, 
he had a good training camp. Um, there were times at training camp where he was several days during camp where he had better days than Jones did. And obviously Jones is the future, but they feel very comfortable with Colt McCoy, not just as a quarterback, but more as like that steady personality where they can go into a game feeling like he's been uh, a reliable and consistent presence. And I think, you know, I think Daniel Jones takes a little bit from everybody. I think he's his own man to an extent. Like even with Eli in the building, it's kind of overrated to say that Eli was tutoring Jones. It was more Alex Tanny, uh, the third-string quarterback last year, working with Jones day in and day out. So he definitely takes something from the veteran QBs. But I think more what's most important here, Ken, is that Colt doesn't turn the ball over. You know, if he plays, you know, whatever influence he's had on Jones, I think the most important influence he can have on this team is not turning the ball over. Yeah, the Giants, we said, are in first place right now in the NFC, as I like to call it the NFC least. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but obviously, we said the schedule. They, get, they have to go to Seattle on Sunday. Uh, it's we saw what Seattle did to the Eagles. Uh, I mean, it wasn't a great, but obviously Russell Wilson is is one of the best quarterbacks out there. And I think the Seahawks defense has been improving over the last couple games. So, what are your thoughts about this game Sunday? Tough one for the Giants. The Seahawks play much better at home than they do flying all the way on the East Coast. They're they're especially their secondary, is extremely suspect. But the Giants, especially, that's the one area I think they would miss Jones, probably, compared to McCoy, is maybe not being able to take advantage of them down the field at all. So they did still take play-action shots deep down the field in the second half with McCoy in the game against the Bengals. So it's not like they're not going to try. But simply put, the Seahawks' offense, is going to put up too many points for the Giants to contend with. I think that probably was going to be the case even if Jones played in the game. You know, this is this is going to be a loss, and I think then the Giants are going to have to dig in really and find a way to win one of those next two games at home against either the Cardinals or the Browns before they have to go to Baltimore and play a Ravens team that's probably going to be healthier and is going to be hungry and in the wild card race. That's going to be a huge, huge and difficult game to win. And frankly, I know I'm going to get my ahead of myself here, but the Giants can find a way to get a win in, out of these next three games. You could be looking at Week 17, you have Washington against Philly, you have the Giants holding the tiebreaker against Washington, hosting the Dallas Cowboys and it's not out of the question that there could be, as much as no one wants to watch this NFC least anymore, that could be the biggest drama of that day. Whether the Giants can get a win over the Cowboys and steal a playoff spot, or whether they lose and Washington wins and gets in with an extra victory, you know, it's going to be the that's going to be kind of the way this sets up maybe for the Giants. Maybe if the Eagles could play spoiler for the Giants if they beat Washington, because I don't think the, uh, the Eagles are going anywhere. I think I think they're done. They, they seem to be a mess. And I'm just uh, totally I'm, 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 frust- I'm, I'm frustrated. Yeah, I just uh, I don't know what's going on. I mean, I think they got a clean house. I don't know yeah, if Howie Roseman's got to go first before Peterson or what the situation is, but it just seems like 
nobody's on the same page. And I, I, I think watch, I mean, watch that Monday night game. I, I think it was pointed out. I think by, by both uh, Brian Greasy and Ludus Riddick at uh, some of the Wentz's passes, uh, the, the the receivers were on the same page. The receivers were going one way while the pass was going another way. Yeah, when I when I was in that first game, uh, when I was at that first Giants Eagles game in Philly, I I said I made a comment to somebody at the time that that was the first team I had seen this season that looked like the off season without uh, workouts and practice. It looked like they had not gotten enough practices. You know, all these other teams that have a lot of flaws, and you know, there's plenty of other teams that are bad. That was the first team I had seen in person this year where I said, man, are they practicing enough? I mean, they looked really that sloppy and that bad. You know, being on the same page or not is a reflection of that, I think. And frankly, I think what no one's talking about enough is that we spent a whole week hearing leaks about how Jalen Hurts was getting first-team stats and was going to play. And then Doug Peterson barely played him. And when he did, he played him in a way where he didn't really set it up for success. Frankly, it looks to me like the front office and ownership is trying to force him to play him, and that Peterson isn't doing it on purpose. Yeah. But, you know, that's a, that's an un, that's a, an uninformed kind of very uneducated guess based on how I'm observing this. But certainly, this looks like Hertz is a quarterback and a player that the front office and ownership selected and want to play, and that Peterson is fighting him. Speaking of fighting. <laughs> Judge and Colombo, what what happened with that situation that led to the firing of uh, Colombo, the offensive line coach? Yeah, nice segue there. All right, so <laughs> so Judge, yeah, so Judge did. Judge was not happy with the way that his offensive line was being coached, and it turns out that he got involved in the offensive line right around the time when it started getting better, and it had to do with wanting their technique cleaned up, wanting it being coached a certain way based on how, you know, Judge knows how it should or believes it should be coached versus how Colombo was coaching it. And Colombo didn't appreciate that. And then the straw that broke the camel's back was when Judge brought in Dave DeGuglielmo, a guy he knew from a couple of years in New England together, to consult. And really the writing would seem to be on the wall there that he was that he didn't trust Colombo anyway, and Colombo took it that way. And the huge blow-up argument was on a Tuesday night um, at, at the facility, and at least what I was told was, you know, it was loud, it was nasty, a lot of expletives thrown around, there were people in the building that could hear it who weren't even close to it. And personally, I think the reason that it leaked out that there was a physical fight was just how loud and nasty it sounded. Like, I, I don't know whether a chair was thrown or whether somebody punched the wall or broke a desk or whatever, but there was enough noise where somebody perceived it to be a physical fight. I was told by several reliable sources it was not a physical fight, uh, but it was certainly ugly. And actually, it got to the point where Colombo was fired the next morning and was not even allowed back into in the building to, to for judge to do it face to face. He was pretty much told that he was done by a security officer. Oh, geez. And yeah, so obviously not a good look for the organization, even though the even though there uh, there's all these denials that it was a physical fight. A very bad look. Um, and something that you know, Dave Guillermo comes in and whether Colombo was doing right or wrong and whether Judge was right or wrong, 
the players were they did like Mark Colombo and they did like him as a position coach and so you know with the momentum that the Giants were building as a team a change like this especially in the manner in which it occurred can really threaten to derail your momentum and some of those relationships if not everybody is on board but it was good to see the offensive line played one of its best games against the Bengals coming out of the bye week. They did not surrender a sack. I think they only gave up three quarterback hits. And Andrew Thomas looked a lot better. Uh, so I guess the end result in the short term has been nothing truly negative. Uh, but now the challenge is going to be they had Matt Pert on the COVID reserve list. He just came off of it. But how much – how much is he going to be able to play against the Seahawks and beyond? And will they be able to acclimate another young player that they wanted to? Um, Cam Fleming definitely had a bad game against the Bengals at right tackle. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Definitely some drama, though, in yeah. East Rutherford. There's no boring days here, Ken. Yeah, so especially for both New York teams there. <laughs> oh, you're not kidding. <laughs> um, speaking of COVID, Obviously, we're talking Wednesday, and it looks like the Ravens and the Steelers are finally going to get that game in. How do you think the league's handled this whole situation with the COVID? It seems like they're they're trying to just you know push it aside and you know say we're going to play no matter what, and we're just seeing obviously we're seeing cases spiking more and more, and we're seeing college football affected, and now we're we're seeing games on Tuesday, Wednesday, and we're going to see another doubleheader on Monday uh, coming up. Uh, just how nuts and how do you think the league's done a good job? Or are they dropping the football on this? I think there's a lot of people in the league and on teams that are doing a lot of hard work to keep it safe and to prioritize everyone's safety. So I don't want to act like that's not happening. But I do think when it comes down to it and when push comes to shove, I think you can see from a situation like this that their priority is to play the games and to make the money. You know, their priority. They can say their priority is health and safety, but if it was, they wouldn't be playing the the Ravens-Steelers game this week. They wouldn't hear that there's two more positives in the Ravens day before the game and tell the Ravens when they're on the plane and then say that they're still playing unless they have day off positives. You know, I think you look at around the league, and I just think there's been failures of leadership. And, you know, you're, you're only as good as your weakest link. And... The Denver Broncos, their quarterback situation happened because their coach, Vic Fangio, didn't set a good example. He was suspect, he was uh, fined early in the season for not wearing a mask on the sidelines. Um, same thing with the Ravens. John Harbaugh wasn't taking his mask seriously early in the year. Surprise, surprise. His head and strength conditioning coach wasn't wearing a mask and following protocols. Now, am I supposed to believe that John Harbaugh didn't know that, that that was happening in his facility? I mean, that would that, that's hard to believe. So... You know, at the league level, Roger Goodell and the, and, the, and, the, and the NFL, I think they've been doing a lot of reactionary things. You know, the league and the union both are at fault here for not bubbling in the first place. That's what they should have done. The players wanted to stay with – they didn't want to leave their families, understandably. The NFL said there's too many people to, to account for in all this. That's an understandable sentiment, too. However – you know, you want to get the season in and really prioritize safety, that's the way you got to do it. Um, you know, I just I feel like the NFL, in the, in the way that they have keep ramping up these protocols and suspending and, or fining some people and disciplining, that's all good. 
but I just think it should have happened at the beginning. It's, it's silly to make it all reactionary measures and let problems happen and then address them. Um, you know, bottom line is, Ken, I think they talk about all these other measures and week 18, they would had and all these contingency plans. But I think it's very clear from this week's instance that they would rather play the game above all else. And the final thing I would say is this. On a week where the Ravens have an outbreak and people are very sick, and this is a huge concern, Tom Brady's there after the game walking the midfield shaking Patrick Mahomes' hand face-to-face with no mask on. This is a guy who has openly, basically articulated that he doesn't think this virus is serious. He has flaunted the protocols of the NFL, and he is a face of the league. The NFL needs to discipline him and make clear to the country and to fans and to the league that that is not acceptable. When you're making the Denver Broncos play without a quarterback, you can't let Tom Brady play by his own rules. I was stunned that Brady actually shook the hand of a winning quarterback. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, you know what? He, res- he, he gives respect to guys where it makes him look good that he's respecting them and, you know, where he wants to be on their team because they're uh, – because they're stars and he wants to be in their good graces, but then he ignores all these other guys. Tom Brady's playing by his own rules right now. It's uh, it's really frustrating to watch. Yeah. Well, Pat, get a chance to uh, promote where you're at uh, on social media, and then uh, we'll wrap this up. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at PLeonardNYDN, and I'm on Instagram at, P, uh, at PatLeonard underscore NFL, uh, making picks every week on all the games, and uh, doing videos and updates from the Giants, latest on both. And then on the New York Daily News website, of course, nydailynews.com slash sports. Well, Pat, I uh, appreciate it once again. I want to thank you uh, for all you've done for me on the podcast this year. I look forward to it continuing the uh, relationship in 2021. Of course, us Holy Ghost alums got to stick together. That's right. Thank you so much, Ken, and uh, you'd be well as well. Hopefully we'll be talking playoffs. If we come back here in, in January, well, I'm, I'm not going to hurt ourselves, but it's very, very nice to see that we can at least discuss that. Well, let me I'll set you up right now. If the Giants will make the playoffs, we'll get you on uh, that podcast right prior to, to uh, preview that uh, playoff game for the Giants. It's a date. Sounds good. Pat, appreciate it. That's Pat Leonard from the New York Daily News. We'll be back to wrap up the podcast in just a moment. Hey, football fans, the Daily Gazette You Pick'em Football Contest is back. Predict the winners of the weekly games via your You Pick'em online account. The fan with the most correct points each week gets their name in Thursday's Daily Gazette and wins a $100 ShopRite grocery gift card. The fan with the most overall points after 23 weeks wins a $1,000 travel voucher and could win a trip to Hawaii. To play, go to dailygazette.com football and create your account or use your past account. Select the teams you think will win. You may enter your picks and score predictions five minutes before the start of each game. For official rules, go to dailygazette.com football. For questions concerning the local contest, contact Randy Lewis at rlewis at dailygazette.net. The trip to Hawaii is part of a national contest. The You Pick'em Football Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department 
and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, this is Union College football coach Jeff Behrman. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast, uh, but before I do, I want to reflect on a senseless tragedy that took place 40 years ago on December 8th, and that was the uh, murder of uh, John Lennon of the Beatles. I remember that night vividly uh, back growing up in Philadelphia. It was my senior year of high school, and it was a Monday night, and we had a rare Monday night high school basketball game. I was a team uh, statistician. And I went home after the game and went to bed. I was going to get ready for school the next morning. And uh, my mom came in, I guess it was about 12.45 in the morning, 1 o'clock. And then she uh, let me know that uh, John Lennon had been shot to death. And it was a shock, shocking blow because, I mean, I just, I just started getting into the Beatles. My parents had gotten me uh, uh, tickets to see Beatlemania. I think it was back in 1978 or 79. Uh, and that's when I start. Uh, I know it wasn't the Beatles, but it was the show, and you, and you got to enjoy the music and what the uh, influence of their songs were like. And and that's it was really just a shock because you know, John Lennon was just yeah had taken five years off. He had a five year hiatus um, to help raise uh, their uh, her, his son Sean with uh, Yoko Ono, um, and he came back refreshed with a new album, Double Fantasy, and things seemed to be going well. He seemed to be very happy with his life and uh relaxed and who knows what could have happened uh maybe down the road that the beatles would have gotten back together for a couple of concerts and uh it would have been nice but um yeah some guy who had you know had grand illusions grandeurs of illusions of grandeur um decided to uh end john lennon's life i'm not going to give the guy his name i think you know who it is but um it's it was a sad day and uh i know he's missed but the music he's um, has produced uh, just incredible. Uh, our announcer Scott Geezy, who you know you hear on the beginning of the broadcast, he get, he tricked me one day at, at your college of Pennsylvania, at our college radio station WBYC. Uh, he got me to you know, sing a little bit of a chorus of uh, "A Ticket to Ride," one of my favorite uh, Beatles songs, and uh, he ended up using it as a promo uh, with with me singing and. Um, you know, saying Ken Shots, WVYC AM640, Ken Shots radio station. But uh, we had a laugh about that. And um, it was, I did a Beatles show for three years on at the college radio station. And I always enjoyed doing that. And I, you know, I listened to the Beatles station a lot on the radio on the way in. And um, it's, uh, it's hard to believe it's been 40 years. I mean, back in October, John Lennon uh, would have celebrated his 80th birthday. And you just wonder what if, what if that didn't happen? Uh, yeah. Just you think about that night, and and then of course that night, the way we all found out about him, the world found out, at least here in America, uh, it came from Monday Night Football. Uh, Howard Cosell announced the uh, uh, death of John Lennon. I think that was the first anybody had heard of it, um, and uh, that was really, really CNN was I think in, in, in its infancy back in 1980, and ESPN was not really a th- yeah it was there but i don't think it was that big a deal but uh it was howard cosell and that's the sports tie-in and john lennon appeared on the monday night football broadcast years before that and uh, he seemed to enjoy himself uh, being interviewed by howard uh but it was howard cosell who uh, let the world know and late in the uh, game between the new england patriots and the miami dolphins and uh that was this uh a tragic night, and uh, it's you know, something we wish never happened, but, uh, you know, it happened, and uh, we just hope uh, 
Yoko Ono still has this album Peace with the everything. And, uh, you know, everybody, all the Beatles fans, I know, you know, we're down to this poll in the Ringo. Yeah, George uh, Harrison, uh, his 19th year anniversary of his passing uh, happened just a couple weeks ago. So it was, like I said, it was a tough, tough uh, few days uh, dealing with that tragedy. But uh, John Lennon's music lives on with the Beatles and his solo work. And uh, it's, uh, you know, we, it's an you know, unfortunate situation. And, uh, we wish it never happened, but it did. And we just, you know, we you know, wish the uh, Lennons all the best. And uh, hopefully, uh, uh, we can, you know, follow their mantra, give peace a chance. So uh, thank you for letting me uh, share that uh, moment. Check out my Parting Shots blog for my Week 13 NFL picks and TV listings. Go to dailygazette.com slash category slash sports slash parting dash shots. Once again, I'm going head-to-head with Daily Gazette News columnist Sarah Foss. Sarah went 10-6 and six last week to improve to 118-58-1. I was 12 and 4 to go to 116, 60 and 1. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. The second wave of the coronavirus is hitting us, so please be vigilant. Keep wearing the face mask while you're out. Be positive. Stay negative. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank Jalen Pickett, Colleen Mullen, and Pat Leonard for coming on the show. I would like to tell you that the Parting Shots podcast is now available on Amazon Music and Google Podcasts. Subscribe today. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, Email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports. Be smart, stay safe, wear the face mask.